I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, friends. Welcome back. How is your Advent going? This is a, a good midpoint check-in to just see how is Advent going here. Some of you may be thinking, oh, it's going great. This is one of my best Advents ever. But I bet there's many of you saying, oh, it's just not off to a great start. It's it's okay. Or some of you thinking, man, I haven't done as much as I really thought I would. And you're kind of feeling badly about it. Wherever you're at on the spectrum, I want to encourage you. It's okay. Right now, there's this few weeks to go. And I want to give you a little quote that is has inspired me in, in my own Advent reading that, it, that helps me to remember what this season's about. And this quote comes from Blessed John Henry Newman. And he reminds us about the process of change that we want to see happening in our hearts. Because we can focus on, oh, I gave this up, or I did this prayer, and I did these devotions, and uh, and, and that's all good. But the real goal of Advent isn't uh, giving up stuff. It isn't extra prayers and extra devotions. It, it, those are mere means. Those are means to something greater God wants to accomplish in our hearts. And what he wants to accomplish is transformation. Will we be changed between now and Christmas Day? Will we notice just even a little change, a a small change in the way we relate to God, relate to our spouse, our kids, our friends, our family? Uh, Will we notice a little change? What's that change all about? Listen to what Blessed John Henry Newman says. He says, we should go through Advent so that at Christmas, Christmas will, quote, find us more and more like Jesus, who at this time became a little child for our sake. More, will we be more simple-minded, more humble, more affectionate, more resigned, more full of God? I, I love this quote from Newman. It's been an encouragement for me to, again, remember, the main goal isn't, I did this, I gave up this, I did this little activity. The main goal is, is, a, is change. And if I can get to Christmas and notice just a little change in me. Maybe I'm just a little more affectionate with my kids, a little more patient with them, a little more joyful. I would say, oh, that's a great victory. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me to be more like you. Or I grow in humility and not worried about what other people think of me as much, or I just do things to kind of be more in the background. Uh, then that, That's a great victory in my soul. Uh, if I become more simple-minded and I just go, you know, I don't have to do all these things. It would be nice to do all these things, but I don't have to do all of them getting ready for Christmas. Maybe I'll just do these two or three. Uh, If I become more simple-minded, become more like Jesus, in the end, will I become more like Jesus in Bethlehem, who is the Jesus that dies for us on the cross? And that's what I want to talk about in today's podcast. I want to talk about the connection between Bethlehem and Calvary, between Christmas and the cross, because we're in the joyful season of Advent. We're getting ready for the really joyful season of, of Christmas, but we can't forget It's all about the cross. And I want to share with you about how the Bible is showing us that the birth of Jesus is all about the cross. And there's a great message for you and me in here. And that's to remember that little change that Jesus wants to work in us to get ready for Christmas. Will we notice us being more like the humble Jesus of Bethlehem and the humble Jesus of the cross? So why am I thinking about the cross so much? I just got back from the Holy Land. Uh, I was leading a pilgrimage, my annual pilgrimage I lead there. And I want you to know I was I prayed for all of you, the listeners, at, at a number of the holy sites there in Galilee and in Jerusalem. And some of you may be wondering, though, you may be thinking, I, I thought, Dr. Shree, weren't you just in Israel recently? Why, why did why did you go back so soon? And, and I have to be honest with you, I normally go to Israel just once a year for, for this pilgrimage I lead each year. 
But uh, but this particular, I've gone twice, and, and, and it was close, almost back-to-back here. I was just, just there in the middle of October, uh, and that was not a planned trip. Uh, I can tell you all about that. My wife uh, and I discerned uh, whether we should do this one or not, but I, there was a project that I've been working on and I'm very excited about it. I think I've shared it with all of you. It's a, a biblical walk through Christ's passion, where we're going to walk through all of the different scenes and the passion narratives and really unpack them for all they're worth. What does it tell us about Jesus, what he did for us, his amazing love, and, and most of all, what application does it have for our daily lives and our walk with Jesus today? So we were. it's a book project, but we also filmed. We filmed in Jerusalem at all those sites at Gethsemane and Caiaphas's house and Calvary. And, uh, and so I shared about that, I think, in a previous podcast. But uh, what happened was that wasn't on our plan. We were going to do that in 2019 originally, but the publisher called me in August and said, hey, there's a chance I think we can get this out for this Lent, this year's Lent here in 2019. So, but we would have to go do the filming in October. Is there, do you have a few days in October we could get you to come out? And there was a little window. And so Beth and I, we prayed about it and uh, realized, yes, we're going we're gonna to go for this. So uh, that's why I was there just recently in October. But the, this trip here was much, much more just uh, focused on, on pilgrimage itself. Uh, a great blessing to be there. And, and I prayed for all of you and your intentions. But Let's go back to the topic here. The theme of the cross is clearly on my mind because that's what I'm writing about. And as we're doing all the edits on the video project for this this, this program coming out here in, in, in early 2019, uh, I've been thinking about the connections between Bethlehem and Calvary, between the cross and, and, and Christmas. And there's so many. It's so awesome how the Bible is trying to show us that this Jesus that comes to us, the Son of God, who becomes a a man and is born in Bethlehem, this baby Jesus is destined for greatness. He's going to be the great king. That's what God tells Mary, right, at the Annunciation, that this child's going to be the the holy son of God. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to fulfill all prophecies, and that's all true. But God is showing us right away that this child is coming not for worldly glory, not for a worldly kingdom full of power and might and riches and fame. That's not the kind of kingdom Jesus is is building. And right away in Bethlehem, there's all these foreshadowings of how this is all about the cross. That's the kind of kingdom that Jesus is coming to build. And we could be really, we could forget this at times in our own lives because we could be so taken in by the the attractions of this world, whether it's having more and more money or whether it's getting a lot of likes in social media and having a lot of following. We could be very impressed by leaders out there that are famous and do a lot of things. That's not who Jesus was. Let's run after the kind of kingship, the kind of life Jesus came to show us. Because you think about him, he's the God of the universe, he could do anything, right? Uh, I was just listening to a homily recently here in Denver by a wonderful priest, friend of mine, Father Jack Riley, Father John Riley. He, um, he, he gave a homily. He talked about how, you know, if you go outside in the snow and you grab a snowball, you, you, have, you, have the, you hold the snowball in your hand and you could do anything with that snowball. You could take it and squish it. You could take it and throw it on the ground. You could throw it at your fence. You could throw it at your brother. <laughs> you know, you could do whatever you want with that snowball. God has the universe in his hand and he could do anything he wants with it. 
And at every moment, he's holding this universe in existence. At every moment, he's holding you and I in existence and allowing us to breathe and to smile and to laugh and to continue to exist. I mean, that, that's who God is. And yet, this God of the universe, who is the all-powerful one, uh, he, he becomes a little baby. He comes down and enters into our humanity I mean, this, this is, I mean, it's not just like, I mean, God became an angel. You know, he, he chose to become a human being, uh, a mere little baby in Mary's womb, a, a, an embryo in Mary's womb. Just picture that. The God of the universe becoming a little child. And, and that just tells us so much. You know, when we hear about God is coming and his kingdom is coming, that's what all the prophets foretold, that God would come as king. The Lord's going to come to Jerusalem and establish his kingdom. And it's all true, but it's not in the way we would have expected. He's just turning the world upside down. Because we would expect that if he's the king, he's going to come with mighty chariots, right? Or he's going to come with all of his wealth and use all of his worldly influence to, to change things. That's not what Jesus does. The way he brings about real change in this world is he comes humbly as a little child in Bethlehem. And he comes in poverty. And he comes in great, uh, in great suffering. And he comes with the cross. And that's an invitation to you and I to say in this Advent season, is there a way that I can just embrace that cross a little more to be a little more humble like Jesus? Because if I want real change in my life, if I want change in my marriage, if I want change in my family life, if I want change in my workplace or in my parish, it's not going to come through worldly means. Yes, let's give money and be generous. Let's let's use the, the modern technology to share the gospel. Yes, let's use the our best business sense and wits and management skills to build great programs in our, our parishes and dioceses. We should do all that, of course. But let's remember, if we do all that and we don't take this Advent journey and be conformed to the humble Jesus of Bethlehem, then, then all of those worldly means are not going to be used as effectively. They're not going to bear as much fruit. And they might even do harm because they're coming not from an interior life of, of, of an encounter with Jesus. They're not coming truly from God. They're just coming from our own talent and dreams and insights. Uh, let's take that adventure. Now, let's look at the Bible here really quick. Just a couple of those things that you see. You know, think about what you, what happens in the gospel accounts, how the gospel accounts are showing us Jesus, this this great king, is is the baby Jesus, is is going to suffer and die. The connections the Gospels make between Bethlehem and Calvary, the, between the birth of Christ and the passion of Christ, is, is just amazing. So who's who's there at the beginning at Bethlehem? Who is it that's, that, that's there uh, that's attacking Christ? You've got this wicked king, Herod, who wants to destroy the baby Jesus, but he can't do it on his own. He's got to figure out where is the baby Jesus? Where, 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 is, where is this new Christ, this new Messiah? And so he goes and he counsels, he gets counsel with the chief priests and the scribes. And so he's conspiring with the Jewish leaders. So you have a Roman leader, Herod the Great, and the Jewish leaders, the chief priests and scribes, working together against Jesus. Does that sound familiar? That's a foreshadowing 
of Calvary. At Calvary, we have Pilate is the Roman leader, and he, they, he works alongside the chief priests, and then those in tandem bring Christ to his death on the cross. Did you know that in both scenes, there, there's two great Josephs that appear? You've got, of course, St. Joseph, the husband of Mary, who's protecting the Holy Family, protecting the Christ child. And you got another Joseph at Good Friday, right? Joseph of Arimathea, who's also protecting the Christ the, the body of Christ that would have been left on a cross, left to be exposed to the elements and decay and to the animals that would have devoured it. Uh, he goes and intercedes. He goes to Pilate to get the body and give the body a proper burial. There's two dreams in the in these stories. You know that? Remember, remember you got Joseph's dream to go protect the child, go to Egypt, come back to Nazareth. He keeps getting these dreams all about protecting the child. There's a dream in the Passion narrative. Do you remember who has it? It's Pilate's wife, who's given a dream not to harm this Jesus. He's innocent. And, 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 and Pilate's wife pleads with Pilate, don't harm this man. But Pilate doesn't listen to the dream. He should have listened to the dream like Joseph did. Uh, there's shepherds going in haste to see the baby Jesus in the manger, reminding us of uh, Peter and John running in haste to the tomb on Easter Sunday. You've got angels appearing over Bethlehem singing, glory to God in the highest, peace to people on earth. And so angels appearing at the birth. Did you know we have angels appearing at the end of Christ's life too? Angel come, An angel comes to the Garden of Gethsemane to strengthen Jesus as he's about to face the devil, as he's about to conquer the devil, he's about to embrace the cross. The angel comes to strengthen him. You've got the wood of the manger, you've got the wood of the cross, so many things, but I'll close with this. Two little details that Luke's gospel gives us. At the end of Luke chapter 2, or, or, or the end of the, the birth of Christ scene, in chapter 2, verse 7, it says that, the baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Now think about those little words there. Of all the things Luke could tell us, he, he, he tells us about the baby Jesus, not what the color of his eyes were, uh, not was he looking at Mary, not his weight, <laughs> not his length, how, 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 how tall is the baby. Uh, you don't get any of those details. You don't find out, did Joseph cut the cord? <laughs> you don't find out anything. Luke doesn't tell us really about the birth of Jesus, except these two little points, that the baby's wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Why do I need to know that? Of all the things he could tell us, why does he tell us that? Well, he tells us that because it's a foreshadowing of Good Friday. Because the only other time in Luke's gospel, those two same verbs are used, wrapped and laid. The only other time those two verbs are used are in Luke twenty-three fifty-five, where the body of Jesus is taken down from the cross and it's wrapped in linen garments and laid in a tomb. You see, biblical authors often do this. They'll take key words, put them side by side, and then they'll use them again later on to make a point, to show a connection. And Luke's trying to show us a beautiful connection here between Bethlehem and the cross. That the way Jesus enters this world in poverty, humility, uh, think about it. He, he's under great oppression under the Roman census. That's why they had to pick up and move and have Jesus born, not in Nazareth, but down in Bethlehem. And then when they get there, they have to find a place for him to be born. And there's no great place for him. No one welcomes him. Not, he has to go out to some 
austere condition here, you know, some place where there's animals around. So there's a manger. Don't think of a manger as a crib, like the crib for a little newborn baby. Think of this. This is think of this as a bunch of animals probably around. It probably smells. There's probably animal poop maybe around. Who knows? I mean, it's this is not a happy situation. Uh, and, and they put the baby in this feeding trough for the animals. That's what's going on here. So Jesus coming with such humility, such poverty, such suffering is foreshadowing how he's going to establish his kingdom this way. That's what his kingship is all about. The king of the universe comes so humbly in Bethlehem to show us he's going to establish his kingdom on the cross with such suffering. So, my friends, I want you to think about that. Think about ways you can practically live like the humble baby Jesus in the next few days, maybe just later today, something's going to happen where someone's going to say something that hurts you or you're a little annoyed by it. And what you can do is just take it humbly. Don't fight back. Don't let yourself get all angry and bitter. That's one tiny little way you can live the message of Christmas and the cross. Or or maybe there's a chance to just uh, be in the background. Like normally you want to talk a lot at the next office party and you're just going to sit back and let other people talk. Ask them what they're doing for their break. Don't try to draw attention to yourself if you struggle with that. That's a small little way to live the message of Christmas and the cross. Uh, or maybe that you can make a little sacrifice for someone. Maybe just go do something nice for your spouse today. Just go out of your way, do something that, you know, just a little kind deed. Maybe make them a morning coffee. That's what my wife Beth did for me this morning. She made me my coffee. I came downstairs, it was already, it was a beautiful Italian espresso because she knows how much I like it. That's a beautiful little gift. Do that for your spouse. Maybe there's something, or one of your kids, you can do a little sacrifice for them and, and surprise them. Do something where you live the mystery of Christmas and the cross. And even these little things, these small little changes, you're not going to become a saint overnight by doing it, but it's one little step in becoming a saint. And that's how we become saints, gradually, step by step, small little acts of love. And, and And then that's what transforms us. That's what the great saints tell us, that you don't even notice it. It just happens. So may you take a couple little steps in this Advent season toward your sainthood. My friends, thank you so much for listening. Please pray for me. You've been in my prayers in the Holy Land. I'm back here in the States now, and I'm excited for the season of Advent for all of you. Uh, I'm going to ask one favor also. Please share this podcast with others if you have friends or family. Uh, As I move into 2019, I'm hoping to get this podcast out there to many more listeners around the world. So you can help me with that. Please share it with anyone that you think would enjoy this. You can reach me on my website, edwardsreed.com, or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless. Thank you.